The thrill and excitement of March Mania is here, and DraftKings Sportsbook, one of America's top-rated sportsbook apps, is giving new customers a shot to turn 5 bucks into $150 instantly in bonus bets with any college basketball bet. You can find all the lines and available odds, of course, at the DraftKings Sportsbook app. North Carolina listeners, don't forget, DraftKings Sportsbook is now live in your state. Download the DraftKings Sportsbook app and use code SBNFL. New customers can bet 5 bucks to get $150 instantly in bonus bonus bets only at DraftKings Sportsbook with code SBNFL. The crown is yours. Gambling problem? Call 1-800-GAMBLER or in West Virginia, visit www.1800gambler.net. In New York, call 8778-HOPE-NY or text HOPE-NY. In Connecticut, help is available for problem gambling. Call 888-789-7777 or visit ccpg.org. Please play responsibly on behalf of Boot Hill Casino and Resort 21 plus age varies by jurisdiction void in Ontario. Bonus bets expire 168 hours after issuance. See dkng.com slash bball for eligibility, deposit restrictions, terms, and responsible gaming resources. Hello there and happy Tuesday. Today is Tuesday, March 29th, and this week the 2022 annual league meeting is taking place in Florida. This afternoon, Eagles head coach Nick Sirianni and Eagles chairman and CEO Jeffrey Lurie spoke with the media and are at the podium with a presser that's locked, loaded, and ready for you. I am your host, Rachel Prevett, and this podcast is brought to you by SB Nation and Bleeding Green Nation. Before the break, you will hear from Jeffrey Lurie, who announced that the Kelly Green uniforms will be back in 2023. He also announced that the Eagles will wear a black helmet to match their black uniforms in 2022. And he also discussed building for the future of the Eagles franchise. And after the break, you'll hear from Nick Sariani, who was asked about wide receiver Zach Pascal's role on the Eagles roster. He was also asked about Jalen Hurts, of course, and what he's been working on this offseason. And lastly, he provided insight into bringing back Fletcher Cox and Derek Barnett. Take a listen. Everybody here? Okay. Um, first of all, great being in person. I mean, geez, it's, uh, it's been a while since we could do this in person. It's so much better, and uh, um, I feel that in every way. And uh, um, always look forward to these. And uh, thank you for all for coming and get a chance to talk about the NFL, Philadelphia Eagles, and football in general. Um, first of all, just, uh, you know, the sport, we're all here because I think we love American football and it's more popular than ever. It's unbelievable what's happened over the last few years. Um, and I, I think, you know, 40, 48 of the top 50 television shows are NFL games, 91 of the top 100 television shows are NFL games, and the sport is just, I, I think there's a variety of reasons for it, of why the ratings and everything is so popular. Um, but it's the only sport where small markets and big markets have an equal chance left in the world. And um, that is a big foundation of, of what's happened across the country with the NFL. Yes, it's a great sport. It's amazing. But uh, um, it's fans want to know that their team has an equal chance wherever you're from. And that's one of the great things that uh, 
you know, the NFL has going for it. Um, and the other thing that I just, I think is so, I hope we never experience it again, but was so starkly important was as great as the NFL is, as great as the sport is, um, without the fans, it is a much lesser experience. And we literally had a year of that a year ago. Uh, and yes, it's still great on television. It's an amazing television sport. But the reason we all grew up loving it so much is because you're, you're with your fellow fans, and that's what makes it great. So it was an interesting dichotomy that happened unintentionally with the pandemic. But wow, I think anyone who thinks that it's just so brilliant because the sport is so great, no. It's great because the fans are so intensely in love with it. And that it's a mutual thing, but that's why it's a great sport. Without the fans in the stadiums and uh, in every way, it's, it's lesser. And I think all of us that are part of it, whether you're covering it or operating in it, need to have the humility to realize that fans are the basis of why we're all here and why it's so successful. That's like, I don't know how much more to say that. In Philly, we got the most intense and wonderful fans uh, anybody could ever imagine. And uh, I, I can't, I've said it before, I mean, I'm very lucky to have been able to own a team in a city that loves football and loves the Eagles as much as they do. And uh, um, it's not the case every single market. And uh, so, but without the fans and the intensity, a lot of it is lost. Um, that being said, um, I, I just want to say a couple things. So um, in June 2018, uh, the NFL, no, in, in 2018, the NFL allowed the teams to come up with an alternate jersey. Um, we really wanted to go back to the classic Eagles green, Kelly green jersey, um, but we wanted to do it the right way. And the right way was to have a matching helmet. And for whatever different reasons existed, uh, it wasn't until June of this past year in 2021 that the NFL has allowed us to come up with a second helmet. So um, I'm here to announce that beginning in the 2023 season, uh, we're gonna have the Kelly Classic Green Eagles jersey and matching helmet and do it the right way. And it's gonna be, um, it's what our fans have wanted, it's what we've wanted, and we're gonna be able to uh, introduce that for that season. And it's gonna be the, uh, if you all, which I know you do remember the 90s and the 80s with Randall and Reggie and Jerome and Seth and Clyde and everybody, um, it's gonna be that uniform and it's gonna be uh, as, as identical to what that existed as possible and we're working with Nike to make it happen. We wish we could deliver it right away, but it takes about a, a two-year process and uh, with the material that it's gonna be utilized in 2023, they don't have that in their palette. So uh, I can't wait. We'll have a way to introduce it and unveil it all, but um, 2023 season, we're gonna have the Kelly Green, classic Eagles green uniform um, and helmet. Uh, we're also allowed in the meantime to have that second helmet. So what we're gonna do for this season um, is to have a black helmet 
because we have a black jersey and our players love wearing black uh, and they love all black. And so we're gonna match the black jersey with a black helmet and that'll be um, this coming season. And yeah, it's true. We may not be able to continue with that in 23 once we introduce uh, the classic Eagles green, Kelly green. Uh, but we're going to try. We're going to try to convince the league that a third helmet and a third matching jersey to helmet uh, is to the benefit of us, our fans, and everybody else, because I think we love that too. So anyway, uh, can't wait to unveil all these plans, but I, I just want you to, and all of our fans to know, we've listened to you. We've wanted this from the, from the beginning when we were able to, and uh, 2023 is when we'll have uh, the introduction of the uh, – of the classic Eagles green, the Kelly green, and this year black. So that's the way that's gonna that's gonna go. Open to any questions. Uh, again, great to be with you in person. Oh, one more thing, and I mentioned to a few last night. I couldn't help thinking about John Clayton coming here this year. I mean, uh, somebody I was you know close to and admired, and uh, he shares the love of the game. He shared the love of the game, the love of the sport, covering the sport in such a high integrity way. He was a pleasure for me as a young owner to deal with 25 years ago and throughout his life. And uh, it, was, it was a little shocking to hear that he passed away. And I just can't come here and not remember John a little bit because uh, great, great guy. Yeah. Let's start. Uh, how are you? Good. How are you? Uh, your thoughts behind Howie Roseman and then your thoughts about Fletcher and uh, Derek Martin. Let's start with Howie. About what aspect? What behind uh, giving Howie another kind? Oh, of uh, you know, in in all the in all the ways of evaluating a general manager, it is truly a broad position, and you're managing a lot of information, a lot of departments, um, and it's it's a very important leadership position in an organization, and so um, in 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 all the ways of looking at it, whether it be um, how to best organize all those departments, how collaborative, um, how effective with other uh, general managers in the league, uh, talent acquisition. Um, you know, uh, there's, always, there's always sort of a, a, a controversy over hitting and missing on a draft pick. Um, I have to deal with the reality of what we were, how did we evaluate the players? How did we what were we seeking to acquire? You only end up with a very small sample in a draft. Um, and it's a lot of it's based on who the other teams took before you. So I have to be the one to make the much harder decision of were we evaluating the players appropriately? Were we gathering enough information from all sorts? Were we uh, collaborating enough in different departments? Um, and, um, you know, in just uh, in, in every way, um, Howie deserves a lot of credit. We've uh, obviously over the last five years, we've you know been in the playoffs for the five years and won a Super Bowl. He's he's really good at building a roster and um, uh, rebuilding a roster, and uh, um, he's uh, he's very very well regarded in uh, in the league. And uh, that was you know that's it's it's always a, a hard decision to take every single instance and evaluate it and it was a pretty easy decision to make when it came to really looking at the facts um 
people like to concentrate on hitting on a draft pick. Well, you know, the reality in the NFL is um, about 60% of first round picks become solid starters. And that's if you're drafting in the upper half of the first round, the, the odds go up. If you're drafting in the bottom half, the odds probably go down quite a bit. And then you'd hit uh, baseball batting averages. So uh, second round even, uh, it's like 30-something percent um, of hitting. It's, so you've got to base it on what the rest of the league and what the rest of the sport um, is able to accomplish through the scouting, through all the different information, psychological testing, medical testing, everything else, and then who is available. Uh, and, and so it's, uh, it, it's when, when you're in my position as the CEO, you've got to really kind of treat it like that's my reality, you know, and those are the batting averages in the league. And then I compare it very specifically to the rest of batting averages of other teams. I don't just say, you know, oh, this is a good guy. He's a good executive. He collaborates, resign him. That's not the way it is. It's a very, very intense and detailed process. And I go through it as if, uh, you know, I barely know the man and basically go through it as if, you know, if I'm coming from another planet and I'm going to look at it, then what are the positives? What are the negatives? And uh, the strengths really outweigh the weaknesses. And where you guys are at in the quarterback position. Let, let me just finish with Howard because he's got a, a, a long question here. Um, Fletcher Cox, very valued member of the team. Uh, is the question why we? Thoughts? I mean, some people question, you know, why he was brought back at the number he was brought back at. Well, you know, we, I obviously I'm not going to go into contract details, but it was a, it was kind of a contract that made a lot of sense for us. Um, we know, uh, we knew exactly what uh, some other teams were interested in, in signing Fletcher for. He's been a very valued member of our team. Uh, we think he can uh, do even better in terms of this year's uh, play with with the same defensive coordinator. And uh, um, it was it was not a hard decision. But you know, every every player has their own um, sort of parameters where you might sign that player at a certain level of percentage of resources allocated, and another, uh, and then you hit one where uh, if it's too high. No, I'd rather we'd rather use the resources some other way. So um, again, with Howie, Nick, uh, they recommended that we, uh, you know, do that, and that was what I supported. We, have some, we haven't talked to you since since the Carson Wentz trade. Yeah. Uh, what did you learn from that process that informs the way that you will go about trying to identify your next franchise quarterback? So uh, the Carson Wentz. Let me just say Carson. Um, 2017, we'll never forget it. You know, probably played at an MVP level. Um, there's no way we'd be the number one seed going into the playoffs if it weren't for Carson. Uh, I, I doubt we would have been able to win the Super Bowl if we uh, didn't have the number one seed. It's hard to know, but uh, that was the best of Carson, right? That was the best of Carson. When we drafted Carson, that's what we hoped for. It was like a almost an MVP, it was an MVP level quarterback. Um, you know, uh, not every quarterback and not every player is able to sustain uh, that level of play. You have injuries, you've got lots of factors. Um, it wasn't, it didn't end how we envisioned it to end. Um, but I'm always thankful for, uh, 
you know, uh, uh, winning a Super Bowl is not easy. Um, uh, so, you know, Aaron Rodgers has won one. Dan Marino, zero. It's, it's not easy. And uh, uh, we were able to ride the quarterback play of Carson in that year and put us in a position to win the Super Bowl. Um, so it, it's very, very difficult to project what you call franchise or what we might call franchise quarterback. It happens. It just happens. You know, uh, after year one or year two, was Josh Allen a franchise quarterback? Was he even thought to be a franchise quarterback when Buffalo drafted him? I think the answers are very clearly no, no, and no. Uh, he developed into one. Um, so now we have a uh, uh, young 23-year-old playoff quarterback uh, and who gets better every year in college and in the pros. He's had really one full year. We're never, no one knows where that's going to end up, but I think what you do know is you have a guy that is incredibly dedicated, excellent leader of men, um, players around him gravitate to him. He will do anything and everything to get better and work on every weakness he has and try to maximize every strength he has. And um, that's, that's why we're committed to Jalen, uh, you know, at age 23. Who knows what the future holds, right? Um, so that's that's where it goes. I mean, we all have this vision, myself included. That's an automatic franchise quarterback. Uh, it's almost non-existent, um, and when it does exist, uh, you're very very lucky to to have that, you know. And even when you have that, um, doesn't guarantee you winning Super Bowls. That's that's kind of one of the lessons there, but. Uh, anyway, that's a long answer, Bo, but that's, yeah. And I, you know, I welcome Carson uh, to when he comes back. I, I think, you know, I'd rather take the road of he really helped us uh, in a very important way uh, in the 2017 season. And um, I wish he had been able to maintain that level of growth um, throughout, and it didn't pan out that way. Of the passing game in yep. this modern NFL. Yep. Yeah, this past season, you had a run heavy offense that, yep. that got you guys to the playoffs. Yeah. Uh, but with Jalen obviously being more of a probably seasoned runner than he is as a passer, how do you feel about him in that in that spot? And how do you feel about the offense with Nick Sirianni kind of favoring that, that type of system? Do you think it's sustainable? So I think that uh, what Nick has done, and I applaud him tremendously, and we can talk about Nick because I've never had a chance to. Really, I'll start with that. I mean, um, everything that we loved about Nick in the interview process and on the research process, process came to fruition in his very first season. It was not an easy year for him to take over. We were handicapped in different ways, um, and it was really a transition season. And what he was able to do was connect to players, everybody in the building, uh, manage his coaches in a very, very effective way. Um, and bring a vision and an energy and a, a real, when, when you know you use the word connectiveness, you can, connectedness, you can throw it around. This guy connects. This guy connects on a really human level. You've probably seen it with, with yourselves, but uh, he connects in a very personal and, and important level with players of all types, coaches of all types, 
people in the building. He treats everybody with respect um, and lives it that way. And uh, I, I think that's what we saw in the first year of, of Nick. Assembled a great staff, um, uh, not an ego-driven coach, a confident coach who's very comfortable in his own skin and uh, will only get better and better uh, you know, as the years go by, I think. And um, uh, worked wonderfully with everyone in the building, worked wonderfully with his quarterback, um, knew what our strengths and weaknesses were as an offense, adjusted in the middle of the season to emphasize what we were better than, better in, and yet um, everybody, I think, uh, whether it's Nick, Jalen, uh, all of us, uh, we want to have both a dynamic passing attack, excellent running attack, and all built around a great offensive line. Th that's the important thing. And that offensive line, I, I think we're always going to be a team that emphasizes the trenches. And uh, um, it gives you the capability of being able to adjust your offense to what is happening uh, around it because you're always going to have injuries. You're always going to have, um, you know, just lots of things happening. Look, when we won the Super Bowl, Big V was our, our left tackle. We didn't plan for it that way. We don't win the Super Bowl without a great performance by Big V. So you've got to be able to adapt, um, you know. And uh, I, I think in the NFL these days, you want to be able to have a dynamic passing attack and you want to have a really good running attack. And um, and it's all built around the trenches. And that's, that's where we're at, you know. There's nothing Jalen, I, I don't think, will be able to uh, – uh, not do he just we just have to keep evolving that offense in every single way and uh that's you know I, I, time will tell right but that's uh nick's an aggressive offensive guy and uh I, I know he feels there's just so much growth uh in what we can do on offense um and he he's very uh bullish on all the things we can do uh this coming season and in the future yeah and there's a perception of you that you've become more hands-on over the last few years, whether that's draft picks or you know, game planning and that right. type of thing. Uh, do you think that's fair? And do you feel yeah. you've become more hands-on over the last few years? Right. If I had to, if I really had to say, I'd say slightly less involved um, because I'm awfully, awfully, um, I, I, I really believe in who we have in the building. Um, and I'm very trust trusting of, the different departments that we have. I mean, I think our um, areas of expertise in terms of uh, injury prevention and the steps we've taken to, to, to do that, which is a huge correlative with winning, um, whether it's uh, statistics and analytics, whether it's uh, uh, psychological analysis, scouting, um, you name it, um, we've got great people in place. And... Uh, it's, I, I would say, if anything, the last few years, I've probably taken a little bit more of a backseat. Um, I sometimes, you know, ask myself that question because I'm kind of a, uh, I, I, I don't want to be, I, I want to provide the resources, provide the support, and yet ask a lot of questions in the meantime, because that's what a good CEO does. You don't just say, here it is, go with it. No, you want to be an active questioner of strategy and information and all that. And that's what I do. Um, but, uh, you know, there's probably been, I, I've sometimes looked in the mirror and I say, when have you, have you ever felt like, geez, maybe you over rooted for something or overextended yourself, uh, in terms of what you wanted to see happen. And yes, uh, there's probably been three instances as I look back on, uh, 
whether I should, well, should I have been so excited or rooted for something to happen? And it's never been based on my evaluation. It's been based on you get excited when you're in a draft preparation process. And um, I'll tell you what they are, just so you know, have some feel for it. Um, Jeff Stoutland is a great coach. He's a great talent evaluator. Um, he works great with coaches and with Howie. I mean, just great. The detail that he goes into on analyzing. I mean, I wish you could make a movie about uh, and, and watch Jeff. And some of you have seen scenes. It's, it's a lesson in offensive line play um, in, in real detail. And so um, there was a young player um, several years ago, and he just thought, you know, he, he said, to, I remember said to Howie, he said to me, said to the room, this player is not the best tackle um, day one. But if we just look at it, like who's going to be the best tackle in the draft um, in two years, in three years, this guy is going to be so much better than the other two tackles that were at the top of the draft. And so um, you probably can understand, I'm talking about Lane Johnson. And so from that, I'm thinking, gosh, you know, if we're in a position uh, where we're choosing between players or where Lane is, uh, we need to really elevate Lane to a position of uh, where we have a chance to have him. And it wasn't automatically going to be the case, but that was one where I felt like I was, you know, maybe a little too rooting interest, but it was warranted because uh, of, of supporting Jeff and Jeff was a, a new coach with us at that time. And um, uh, anyway, he was right. He was better than Eric and um, uh, uh Trying to, and yeah, exactly. And 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 Lane and and Stout's been right much more than he's been wrong ever since. Um, second was uh, a player we didn't get, and I, I you know will always regret it. But it was based on uh, Andy Reid and Howie's enthusiasm, and uh, you know you all know I'm sure who it is, and it's uh, somebody that we. You know, I really wish we had drafted in the second round and didn't wait, but we we really didn't think anybody would jump us and uh, take Russell. So that was that was that. Uh, and the third was um, really a strategy based on Jeff Stoutland and Howie, um, and it was really Jeff uh, where he saw a young talent uh, and he said, "This guy, I know. You know, you're talking about all these first round, second round tackles and all this." Let me tell you, if I can get my hands on this guy, uh, and, and, and if he loves football, and you knew nothing about football, uh, you have a ch we have a chance to have a, a major star. And we don't need to take him before the sixth or seventh round. Uh, but I'm telling you, and you know how Stout talks, I'm telling you. Uh, and so we didn't have a seventh round pick. And um, I was like, oh, boy, we really got to get back in this draft. And how he manipulated it in a great, great way. We, he knew of another team that wanted to do what we wanted to do and uh, got to the top of the seventh round. And uh, we took Jordan Melata. And uh, it was, you know, it's a risk. You take a guy who's never played football, didn't even know what football was all about. But it was a sixth or seventh round pick and with a huge upside. And those are three instances I look back and say, you know, I kind of made my uh, opinions known of what our strategy should be, but it was based on others' enthusiasm. And so that's much more, I'm only human, that's the way it goes. Um, there have been very, very, really no other instances of that 
Um, I know some of you thought I, you know, was trying to pick JJ or whatever. No, that that was not the case. There was a tie. Uh, there was a tie between JJ and Paris in that room, and uh, they said to me flippantly, uh, "Well, who do you want?" And I said, "Hey, these are both red star players. That means A plus character." I said, "You you got my blessing, whatever way you want to go." And um, uh, I think they probably went based on injury risk. Uh, Paris had some soft tissue injury risk. And uh, like everybody in the NFL up until that point, um, kudos to Washington. Uh, they got the player that, uh, you know, has had a great career in the next round. Or actually in the fourth round, was it? Uh, Terry McLaurin. Kudos to them. But uh, so I have never. And so, I, you know, I probably have backed off. Um, not that I was super involved ever, but uh, I, I think I get excited. I'm a football fan. I love the possibilities of players, and uh, it's always to support those that are excited about players in the draft. It's never my uh, valuation. I don't do the work. Come on. <laughs> oh, yeah, 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 yeah. Yeah. Reporting. <laughs> yeah. Are you talking about coaches? Yeah, as a result of that. In the draft, Jalen Hurst, plenty of reporting that you were a champion of, of his. Um, so are you saying that Easy to three times, like there wasn't any ones? Like those are the ones that I look back and say, did I overstep in any way? And I, I didn't really overstep in those. But, uh, you know, in terms of um, I have to evaluate um, a head coach on his management of coaches and who he um, uh, wants to entrust uh, on his coaching staff. And that's what a, an owner does. And that's what a CEO does. So uh, yes, I will, um, I, I will never tell a coach who to hire, but I will evaluate the head coach on, on exactly what, how good their staff is, how good their uh, opposite side coordinator is. Uh, all, all that stuff goes into play. Who's going to develop our quarterback the best. Um, those are very important for a franchise. And, uh, you know, if I see that um, a, a coach is uh, hiring somebody that may not be ideal to uh, advance that quarterback's career, um, I got to make the hard decision there, right? So, yeah, absolutely. Uh, yep. Have you seen your responsibility on the, on the Yeah. Yeah. Uh, what's that process been like as, as he learns about it? And have you right. given thought to just how long you want to stay as involved as you are? Right. Um, so, uh, yeah, my son Julian, he, he grew up, uh, you know, obviously in the family that owns the, owns the team. He's uh, an avid Philadelphia sports fan. He's, uh, he loves the Eagles, um, loves the NFL, really has a, a great feel for uh, um, much at, many aspects of the sport. After college, he went into the NFL rotational program to, to learn uh, much more about the business side and, and, and sort of the league side from uh, living in New York and working at the NFL those years. Um, I, I've always sort of like a lot of children of, uh, you know, families that own teams, um, kind of bring them along in terms of uh, I want to expose them to all aspects of, uh, of both the business side and the operational side. 
um, the nuts and bolts, yet also the strategy side. And uh, um, it's he's he's a you know real sharp guy, and he's he's going to have so much more going into it than I ever did. If he chooses to uh, want to someday, um, you know, own and run the team, I mean that's uh, I, I, he's going to have a gigantic advantage. Maybe he won't make some of the early mistakes I made, and uh, um, but he's uh, he's he he loves. Um, all aspects of it. And so what I do is I expose him at different times uh, to different things. I let him observe coaching searches because those are big decisions to make. Um, he try, you know, I think he, he gets exposure to the business side, football side, um, and inevitably there'll be more of a, a formal aspect to it if he aspires to do that. Uh, but this time, at this time, it's, it's much more just wanting to expose him to uh, uh, any and every aspect. And, um, that's, that's kind of like a lot of, as you see next generation in, in families that own teams, that's exactly kind of what happens. A few moments ago, you spoke about Nick. If you look at, at the state of the team, the state of the roster, where yeah. do you see it at this point and what type of timeline do you see to be competing in those late January games? So, you know, I think, um, I said last year was kind of a transition year and I meant it. Um, I think right now we're at a point where we build for the present and build for the future. And that's, that's what, you know, smart management does. Uh, you balance both and <clears throat> you don't want to sacrifice the future, but you also want to maximize the present. So that's, that's always the push pull. I think we can do both at the same time. Um, I think we've got a excellent, excellent teaching coaching staff. Um, I think we'll, uh, have, you know, dynamic strategy and uh, excellent relationship and culture with players. And it's about building the roster um, and building it for now and for the future. So that that's how I see it. No timeline. I mean, that's uh, – uh, did you guys – when we won the Super Bowl, were we odds on to win the Super Bowl? You know, was Cincinnati odds on this year to get in the Super Bowl? I don't know. I'm not smart enough to know that. But I do know that if you're disciplined – and focused on maximizing the present and the future at the same time, uh, you have a chance to build a really good roster. With that said, uh, you have three first-round picks. Yes, we do. That's some, you know, not a, not a usual thing. That's a big how, part. How has that affected your outlook on the season and, and evaluating? How so the offseason, um, you know, it, it started recently. Um, we have almost half a year until we play a meaningful game. We look at it as there is no, there's so many tools to improving the team. And every day, that's the goal. And uh, it's, it's um, five and a half months until we play a meaningful game. Uh, I, I expect Howie, Nick, everybody to address every area of concern um, between now and September. And uh, that's, that's exactly what they're doing. And um, it's, I'm, you know, obviously thrilled we have three number ones. Um, kudos to uh, kudos to Howie for putting us in this position, and um, it, it's a great asset to have. It's, uh, you know, it's obviously in the off season, uh, re-signing your best young core, uh, making strategic acquisitions, and drafting really well. Those are the keys, and uh, you know, and then role players between now and September. You know, 
uh, as we did like with Stephen Nelson last year. It could be in September, it could be in August, it could be in May, June, right now. Every, every week there's opportunities. And so um, that's, yeah, that's. Fans, you talk a lot about the fans to begin your uh, Yes, very um, much. What would you say to the fans that are worried about the fact that Howie Roseman is going to be making these first-round picks considering there have been some misses, especially early on? Right. You know, it, it's a misnomer to think one person is actually uh, making the picks. It's an organization, and if we miss, uh, the organization missed. Maybe it was information. Maybe he. Maybe we collaborated, uh, and, and there was a reason that it wasn't seen as a good scheme fit. Or maybe there was a medical reason and worry that didn't end up happening. Or maybe it was a misevaluation in some way. Um, today's NFL, I, I can't think of any team, maybe, well, I'm sure there's exceptions, um, but there's no one person doing that. In the end, it's his responsibility to collate and get all the information um, and try to make the best decision. And you hope the players you want uh, will be there or trade up, trade down, whatever it is. Um, but I, I have you know, a lot of faith in where we're at. The processes we have uh, today at the Eagles, I think, are excellent. And, um, uh, you know, and I'm excited about uh, the first three players we picked, well, the first four players, I guess, we picked last year. Uh, uh, process is really good. Um, and that's that, you know, I think you got you to trust your leadership. And I really trust our leadership. Yeah. Mention what earlier, sorry. Russell Wilson. Yeah, Russ. Yeah. What is the process like when you know you may be interested in trading for a player like him or like Sean Watson? How does what is your role on that in terms of giving the green light to like how they go ahead and try to work with you? So we we just have a policy of we will do our due diligence on every single player. There's not a pro player or a college player that we don't do as much due diligence as necessary. And that's just a standard. There's, there should never be a player we don't fully vet. And it doesn't matter their circumstances. We will fully vet them. And then, um, you know, uh, that, that's where it goes. It's, it's, you've got to do your due diligence. There's so much information um, about every player, about every player. And so much of it is, uh, is, is medical, psychological, motivational. Uh, history of, of how they treat um, people in college, in high school, uh, in the pros. How are they a culture fit? Um, you know, uh, are they going to maximize their uh, abilities or do they love the game of football? There's just so much that goes into this. And so uh, we are really heavy on due diligence no matter what the circumstance of the player is. Well, there's there's no search, there's no situation. It, it becomes clear through the due diligence what you should do. Due diligence tells you, you know, every organization, I guess, is different, but uh, uh, the due diligence tells you um, exactly uh, is that player a a smart acquisition for you uh, in every way possible, and so that's that's what you do. So uh, we do our due diligence, and, and this is this any player who's on another team. I will. I really don't want to, you know, comment on. It's it'd be easy to do it, but I don't want to comment on it at all. Um, that's it's just I've never done it. A couple more guys. Uh, 
Right. I, I, I don't, you know, again, I, I've never commented on another contract that another team made with a player. I just don't think every team has to operate the way they think is best for them. And I don't want to be presumptuous. I don't have all the answers. Um, so I, I just can't comment on it. Yeah. Will he have a formal role with the, with the team eventually? And if, he, if, he, uh, if he wants to, yes, he will. Do you know if he wants to succeed here? I, I don't know that exactly. No, we haven't fully talked about that. But uh, I, I, what well, I can say is he has my passion for the sport and the Eagles. And uh, that I can tell you. Sorry, I missed the early part. So I'd rather not comment on contracts whatsoever. I've never even uh, commented on our own player contracts, much less hypothetical contracts. It's it's just not what value does it really have, you know. Support for this show comes from Sylvan Learning. As a parent, you want your child to have every opportunity. But giving them the tools they need to tackle every challenge, that takes a team. Now more than ever, educational support tailored exactly to what your child needs can make all the difference. That's why parents have trusted Sylvan Learning for 45 years as the ultimate teammate in their child's educational journey, instilling in them a love for learning and a passion for reaching the next level. And Sylvan's Insight Assessment can identify gaps in learning and areas that could be of concern for your child. It's a 360-degree view into your child's learning that you can't find anywhere else and helps ensure that your child didn't miss something in school that might put them at a disadvantage in the future. And right now, it's the best price of the year at $29. Go to sylvan29.com to learn more and get your child's assessment for only $29. That's S-Y-L-V-A-N-29.com. Um, yeah, we're, we're constantly building. Right. And so right now it's just a little portion of it, right? We've, we've, we've built through free agency a little bit, but we have a lot of draft, uh, draft picks that are about to come up. You know, there's always can be guys added to the roster uh, later on. And so, you know, it's building. Do I, I don't, I never really think you're ever a finished product. You're always building, uh, trying to get better. And, uh, you know, I, but I am excited about the pieces that we've added so far. Again, we have so much more time. Like, I think about last year, at, uh, you know, after even after the draft, where we added an important piece to our back seven with, with Steve Nelson. And so, again, like I feel good about the guys that we have on the team. Um, you know, obviously you have uh, uh, Darius Slay. He'll be mad that I said Darius, but Slay. Right, who's a high quality corner that we all know. Um, and then I think we have a lot of good young corners that showed us a lot in practice that maybe didn't get the time to go out on the field last year to play that we're really excited about. Um, and I don't want to miss anybody, but you have, you know, Zach McPherson, obviously, you have Tay Gowan, you have um, Mac McCain, Kerry Vincent, all those, all those different guys that are young first year players 
And we have a great secondary group of coaches, right? We have Denard Wilson. Uh, we have DK McDonald. And then obviously Jonathan Gannon working with the secondary. I can't wait to see how those guys continue to develop um, their game because they're ha- they're going to have some great coaches. Uh, well, obviously, at this point in time, you're not supposed to be talking football with your with your players. But you know, Jalen and I talk all the time, uh, not about football, but different different things. Um, and you know, obviously, we you know at the end of year meeting with every player that we've that we've had it with. Again, I'm not I'm not even through all the players yet, but like you have a conversation about our, our conversation goes a little bit like, Hey, we just talk a little bit about what did he did well, what they didn't, what we need to improve on where they're working out. Um, you know, any, any, uh, thing, any tips about the, um, I guess to say the, uh, the organization and how we can make that better. So everything's on the table and, and that's like that with every player. And obviously you're, you even have a closer relationship with the quarterback because you're with them all the time. So, um, you know, that, there was no different there with Jalen. Just uh, yesterday, like that, Jalen was doing some, some interesting things in the offseason. So I guess maybe he probably come to you and just set your herd. But, I mean, has that filtered back to you? What are those, you know, specifics? He's, you know, he's working with different, with different people and, uh, you know, I, I'm not going to put his business out there as far as, but he's working with some people down in Southern California to throw. I let you guys kind of uh, do the digging there to, to find out more with that. But, uh, you know, but he's this guy, again, I, I go back to the type of guys that maximize their football potential. And, and what are the common denominators of those guys? They have high, uh, they have high uh, character. They have high football IQ. They love football. They're tough and they're competitive. Jalen is all of those things. And so Jalen is working on trying to get, you know, you know, every, every angle he can to get better. Um, and so whether that's working with a, a quarterback guy or uh, studying film, uh, different ways of doing that, he's, he's doing everything he can do to, to get better. Thank you. You've you re-signed a lot of players in sort of depth roles, you know, like Boston Scott. Yeah, of course. I, I think there, there's definitely I, I would definitely say that I get attached to guys and then they do it. They, you know, exactly the type of job they can do and what they do for you. Um, and and that's exciting, right, to be able to to have a guy come back that, that performed a big role for you. You know, and was it the role that Boston wanted? You know, early on, probably not, right? You know, with Miles carrying the the heavy load of it, and then and Kenny Gainwell playing a lot, and uh, you know, we just have a, a good state. We had a good stable of backs last year, but I really value Boston as, as a as a player, as a teammate, um, and I'm glad we have him back. I'm glad we have some of those guys back in those roles. That's still, you know, to be determined, right? Um, I know the role that Zach played for us when he was in Indianapolis. And Zach was, 
Zach was early on in Zach's career. To me, he was one of the best four or five wide receivers in the NFL. And what I mean by that, he was the fourth. He was the fourth guy. He could play. He could back up every position. Um, in the slot, he could back up on the outside. He played a big key in, in special teams. Uh, he brought an element of toughness to the to the group, um, and so that's what his role was early on. Then. The following year, he was, you know, after in 2019, he was like our number three that got elevated with some injuries to being our number two and our number one at, at times. So, Zach, you know, and I, and and where you really like Zach is again that toughness that he brings. So, you know, a lot is to be determined, uh, still with the with the group, but it's an important piece that we're excited to have. And we know the type of football character that Zach brings to the Philadelphia Eagles and to our organization. And so I uh, couldn't be more happy about uh, Zach being, a, being an Eagle. In terms of Reddit, how do you expect to use him? Is he the end or stand-up Again, that's, there's, a, there's 31 other teams that want to know exactly how we're going to use them. And, and, and my the way I'm going to think about it is we don't have to make a decision until that first game. I don't even know who that first game is against. We obviously have many plans. Um, obviously, you wouldn't sign a guy uh, for, the, for you know, the way we – to a, that kind of contract unless we had major plans for him. But I think at this particular time, that's to our advantage of, you know, how we're going to use him. Obviously, you pay a guy like that to rush the passer, that will be definitely a big part of our plan for him is that he's going to – that's what he gets paid to do. And um, that's, a, that's a need that we have that – that we want him to, you know, help fill that role with the rest of the defensive ends that we have on our football team. Have you guys had any uh, any interest from other teams in Gardner Minshew? And do you have a nice a sense where his mentality is at after, you know, kind of expressing it? He wanted to be the starter. Like, sure. I, I think, you know, again, I don't want to uh, get into anybody else's business. That's, that's you know, with, with other teams or anything like that. But all I can say is I value uh, Gardner Minshew very much right he's he helped us make the playoffs last year right with him being able to step in when Jalen was was dinged and and play a very good game against the Jets I mean that just adds value to him and you know that adds value for 31 other teams with him right but it also adds value for for us as well knowing you know knowing that you need good quality backups and 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 uh I'm sure glad that he's he is our backup on our football team, um, and I look forward to continuing to work with him. You guys made some effort in why wide receivers went from you trade for trade and you ultimately ended up with Zach. And now you're talking about increasing the targets for players. I'm wondering. So it seems like you're doing one thing, but you're saying the other. You know, again, you're always trying to look to improve your team in any way that you can. Um, I'm very pleased with this with this wide receiver group. I mean, I, it's, I'm constantly thinking about other groups that I've had in the past, how this group stacks up against that group. Hey, this is this group was a number one passing offense in the NFL. How does this group stack up? And, I, and I'm very pleased of how our wide receiver group we're young. We know that we're a young wide receiver group that is still developing. And I don't think you've seen the 
the max potential of any of these guys. I know you haven't seen the max potential of any of these guys. And we're going to be on their, on their butts all offseason, all training camp to get that max potential out of them. And I understand what you're saying. You know, we're, we're obviously uh, looking to improve our team in any way that we can. And there's, there's rumors out there of what we've uh, been involved in. But I'm very excited about this wide receiver group. Uh, I love the addition of Zach uh, to the wide receiver group. And, you know, again, this, this group is growing uh, as, a young, as a young group. The targets. You know, I think you see it uh, many different ways throughout the NFL of of how teams how teams get it done, and you know, you see that you know it, you can you can be a, a top ranked run team, you can de- be a top ranked pass team to get it done. Um, you know, the main stats that we're really fo- always focused on are did we win the explosive play battle and did we win the turnover battle, right? And so those are the stats that I really always dive into is did we win those two? And you can, and you saw last year that even in a run-heavy offense, we were able to be an explosive, um, explosive pass offense, right, with the amount of explosive plays that we made. So I don't want to, I don't want to corner myself or uh, that's not the right way to say it, but I don't want to say that you have to play this way or you have to play that way. We have to do what's best to be able to win, win games. And if that's getting Devontae 140 targets, that's what it is. But, you know, you want to get those guys in your team. And again, I don't want to give a number of like, this is how many targets Devontae should get. This is how many number of targets uh, Dallas should get. Um, but obviously we want to feed our guys that are, that are making plays. Um, and you can still do that and be a run heavy team. And you can still do that when you're a pass heavy team. That's fair. Uh, that you know, you can you can definitely see that again. I've I've been a part of teams that have, that have done it both ways, and uh, we're gonna do like we're gonna do what we feel like we can do best to win football games. And you know, you did. You got to watch some um, some really great offenses passing the football uh, during the playoffs. Um, but I I truly believe you can win. There's there's diff- there's always a way to win football games in the NFL. You just got to find that way that week of how to do that. And, and sometimes your team grows into a run-heavy team. Sometimes it grows into a pass-heavy team. We don't have to make that decision of who we are uh, until you know until game one, right? And uh, and really that always evolves. So um, I'm not pressed about that. And uh, we we're gonna work like crazy to get our pass game where we want it. You know to get it better. Um, because I think at the end of the day, I, I don't remember what we ended up in, in past game. I think it was maybe 25th or 6th or whatever. That needs to be better. You want it more. You want it to be – you want to make sure that you're not deficient in in any area um, because then obviously the, the teams that are game planning against you will have an opportunity to take advantage of that. So 
we're trying we're trying to make our weaknesses and i'm not saying that i don't feel like that's our weakness but we're trying to make things that maybe we're not where we want to be or up to our standard we're always trying to get better at those things we're always plus 16 on pass plays and we're plus 10 on run plays i know the nfl does it a little bit differently that's what we we deem as our explosive plays for certain reasons as far as when it comes down to whether you score on on that explosive uh when you have an explosive play or so that's that's what our categories have been and that's what we've done uh so we keep our own stat with that uh that's a good question you know again there is every position we've tried like the communication piece is the most important piece that howie and i can have together right of hey here's what the good offenses that i've been a part of have been the common denominator so what you try to what you try to spell out with every position, and I know you guys are obsessed with wideouts, so I'll stay with the wideout, okay? So, and I guess, and I guess I am too. Um, but for instance, like for a wide receiver, you always want to spell out the trait that you're looking for. Um, for instance, wins consistently one on one, right? Well, what is the and then you want to try to spell out the athletic ability of what it takes to be good at that trait, body quickness, uh, play strength, um, speed, wh whatever it might be, you know, right? And then you try to spell out a player that you've had in the past that, that looks like that. And as you kind of build a, a wide receiver room or a tight end room or a running back room to fit all the, the different pieces. So, it, again, it, it, it's all different body types and body shapes that can make like a good a guy that's good at yards after the catch, right, doesn't have to be, right, uh, big, strong, and physical. He could be, right? Or he could be small, quick, and elusive, right? And so, again, there's many different ways to get it done. Um, and so I felt like we had a lot of those a lot of those pieces, right? You got one piece that I didn't, we didn't know if we had right away that we ended up getting in the draft was, was Kenny Gainwell, like the – you know, like the Naheem Hines type or the Danny Woodhead type or the Austin Eckler type that we had had in the past in our offenses. So, you know, that was a that was a good piece. And then we're going to be able to add, add pieces uh, throughout the draft. But to pinpoint, I guess maybe not the maybe not to we we have looked at all that. And we know what we're we're needs. But again, thirty one other teams are going to want to know what our needs are. Uh, you know, and what we believe our needs are. And so I think some of that is best best kept close to the best. Yeah, that's that's a good question. I mean, you 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 watch you, you spend all your time um, evaluate like right when we when we get done with the season, um, we get done with the season, it's a constant evaluation of your of our season. It's a constant evaluation of the guys in the draft, the free agency, and different things you're going to want to do to get better. So you, you watch the tape, and um, 
it's different. Like you watch the tape, obviously week in, week out, and you say this guy played good in this game, this guy played okay in this game, this guy played bad, whatever it is. But then when you see it as a whole and you're watching, for instance, you're watching inside zone or you're watching uh, a cross fa- or crosser family in the past game, you can kind of pinpoint more, even more so like this guy's really good at this or this guy's deficient at this. And so what we try to do as coaches, again, is point out the good things and, and try to correct the bad things. So that's what we're in the process of right now is is putting tapes together of um, here's what Quez Watkins needs to do to get better and to be a better football player next year. And here's what Jalen Hurts needs to do to be a better football player next year. And that's our job when they first get in our first week with them is, hey, we spell it out for them. Like, here's what you need to get better at. And here's what we want you to, to succeed at. And here's video evidence of that. And so that that's what we're in the process of doing now as far as projecting Again, it's that's how you that's how you do it. You're, you're you're just evaluating the whole process and seeing what guys are good at and what they're deficient at. You mentioned that you speak to uh, Robert, you mentioned that you speak to Jalen quite a bit uh, throughout the offseason. There's also a lot of rumors about Sean Watson, Russell Wilson, the draft coming up. Do you offer him reassurances when things like that come up that you know you're, he is the quarterback for next season? I think our actions uh, do that all the time, you know, and, and we we're always we're always communicating, we're always talking, and uh, and our actions show that we're. I couldn't be more excited about Jalen Hurts and the, again the type of player he is, the type of person he is. I know he's going to continue to develop um, because of who he is, and so. I can't. I couldn't be more excited to, to work with him, and I know he knows that. He, I know that he's excited to work with us and to build on the good year that he had uh, last year. And so he knows our. He's our guy, um, and we show him that with our actions uh, day in day out. Say that. I'm sorry. It was. It's kind of like I, I was saying the bow, like you, you, you go through it and you say, here's the needs for this position. Right. And it, and it's, it's not all. And again, I'll stay with wideouts. Like it's not all wideouts are the same. Right. It's right. You could, and I'll, and I'll go on past teams too. Right. Like a guy that's a good yards after catch, could look like T.Y. Hill, and it could look like uh, Jalen Rager. He could look like um, Keenan Allen. He could look like Tyrell Williams. Those are all different body types. You're looking for the skill set, right? You're looking for that specific skill set of what you want out of that that wide. And again, it in different ways. Like you see it throughout the league, right? The way uh, Debo Samuel runs with the football. Am I allowed to say that? Yeah. The way Debo Samuel runs with the football, big, strong, physical. We all see how, you know, uh, is different than how um, Tyrell Williams ran. Tyrell Williams, when we were in San Diego, was a great yards after catch guy, um, but in a different way. He led the NFL in yards after catch, I think, in 16. But he he didn't run anybody over. He didn't really make anybody miss. He caught the ball. He ran his speed uh, to the to the edge and, and got yards after the catch on our shallow game. So that can look a lot of different ways. Um, and we try we just try to spell out the skill set as much as we possibly can. So us and the scouts are on the same page of 
what were what has succeeded in the past. Again, there's many different ways to to do this thing. I've I've, I've been on offenses that are number one in running, and I've been on offenses that are number one in passing. So um, there's many different ways to do it. Yeah, yeah, it, it is because it, it just there's just so many different types of uh, of ways to get it done. Um, yeah, you know, it, to be able to, it's just a lot to balance, right? Because there's a lot that goes into uh, calling the game, and there goes and there's a lot that goes into preparing the team for the week. And so, the you know, um, the best thing that I had, and, and I'm gonna, I'm kind of hearing your question about challenges, but I'm gonna say the best thing I had was experienced play callers on my staff that really helped me. Shane Steichen, um, you know, really at the end of the day, we called the game. We called the game together, Shane and I. Um, he had called the game in the past with uh, with the Chargers. I uh, Kevin Petulo, who had been had done a lot of that stuff, involved in the play calling with with the uh, Chan Gailey and with uh, in the college game. Jason Michael was the coordinator, at, uh, he was our tight end coach. Um, was the coordinator at Tennessee. Brian Johnson is our quarterback coach, um, who was offensive coordinator at University of Florida. So Jeff Stoutland's our run game coordinator, who has a lot of good ideas in the run game. Uh, he helped come up with a lot of our ideas in the run game, along with Jason Michael. So it's like I, ha I didn't have a shortage of guys that that um, I just had so many guys that were experienced in and calling plays. So that helped that transition a lot. Um, and then, you know, you're always, I, I feel very blessed as far as the head coaching part of it, that I've been around really good coaches in my life. I got to sit at home with my dad, who was a, you know, from Coach Hackett, same way, right? I got to sit at home with my dad for the first 18 years of my life. So I was learning to be a coach right there. I played for probably the best, uh, the the winningest college football coach of all time, and Larry Karras, who was a phenomenal head coach. Um, and then I just I, and my brothers are, were head coaches, so I got to at, at, uh, at Easter dinner or Fourth of July weekends uh, when I had an opportunity to grow as a coach there at every one of those opportunities. And then you know, there's been a lot of guys in the NFL that have really helped my career, and I. And that they are, these guys know who I'm going to mention. Frank Reich has been a great, great influence on me. So um, there were definitely challenges, but I felt like my path leading up to that helped prepare me for it. And then the guys that I had on my staff really uh, helped that go smoothly. Uh, you know, he was as we went as we went through the season. We we did every we do everything together, right? We we talk about hey, here's our first down calls. Here, here's our here's our first fifteen. Here's our uh, third down calls. Here's our red zone calls, and you know, and so we went we went through it that way. But like um, when we got into the you know into the season, it was just I knew what Shane was was calling at, at certain points, or I would tell him to call this, or he would call that, and really. Um, it, it was pretty similar throughout the whole year. I mean, that's what he, we were doing the whole year. And it would free me up at times, like, where I could talk to Shane, like, hey, what are our next two or three plays that are coming? And Shane would talk, 
you know, we would talk it over with Stout. I would talk it over with Shane. Um, hey, I'd like to see this, Shane, here and here. And we talk about, like, hey, here's our next set of plays that are coming up. And then I was able to go talk to the – Shane would call that into the quarterback. Shane would uh, be able to manipulate the, the way that he wanted that to go. The, the, hey, I want to call this first, this second, depending on, on some things. And I, it freed me up to be able to go over to the – to the defensive side and say, Hey, let's go, you know, or, Hey, that was great job right here. I think you, I think what we see is you see Sean McVay talking to his guys all the time uh, on defense or on offense. And, you know, I was able to do that because of the experience of Shane uh, as a play caller or go to the special teams um, and, and get them going and break down a breakdown before the, uh, we went out for kickoff or anything like that. So again, just had so much uh, trust in Shane and, and the way that he thinks about offense, we think about offense similarly. Um, and it's it just a big benefit for us. Derek Burnett had rough patches last season. Why are you willing to roll back with both those guys? I think, yeah, you know, as, as a, I had rough patches last season, right? Uh, Jalen had rough patches last season. We believe in those guys. You know, we believe in, in Fletcher Cox. We believe in Derek Burnett. Um, not only of the type of player they are, like Fletcher Cox is still uh, dominant in the run game. He's still a dominant uh, player in the in the run game that, that can stop the run, and he still can get after the and he still can get after the passer. Derek Barnett is everything that embodies what we want in a in the characteristics of a player. He's tough. He's competitive. He's got high football IQ. He's got high character. He loves football. I and I love Derek Barnett. All right. I love the type of player he that that and the type of person that he is. Um, and so we just felt like they fit, you know, what we want as not only as a player, but um, as a person and as a teammate. And so I'm excited to get those guys back in the roles uh, that they're gonna play this year and on our team. I'm sorry, say that again. You can argue that that shows the sway that you have over personnel. I'm wondering if you feel like your voice is growing in that area and how that's working out. Um, again, Howie and I talk about talk about everything, and every and every decision we make is, you know, we talk we talk through it. Obviously, Howie is in charge of the team and, and putting the team together. Um, you know, but. He's using all the resources that he has um, to help do that, and so we talk about everything. And of course, I thought, you know, I want Zach Pascal on this football team. Um, I don't think that's a secret here, right? And so, but my job is to explain how we would use Zach Pascal. My job is to explain the what, what I see in the player, and again, how the use of it, and uh, or if it's on the defensive side of the ball. Um, it's to explain, like, as an offensive coach, I fear this guy, right? Or I don't fear this guy. That's kind of how we, we go about that right there. And then his, and then how his job is to, to see if it makes sense for the team. And so it's a, what, a, what that, again, that's why this is such a great team game. It's not only every position on the field working in unison, um, to get the job done, but then it's also behind the scenes too, um, that you better be on the same page. The 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 parity in the, the parity in this league is so tight, right? That any any anything that bumps that 
months your course off, you know, can affect you. And so, and that's, and communication is one of those things. So um, I've, I've been, it's been awesome working with Howie um, to help uh, build the team uh, that, that uh, can get back to the playoffs and, and do damage in the playoffs. Um, say that, I'm sorry, oh, Howie's contracts. Yeah, I'm excited. I'm excited about that. I think a, a lot of a lot of the times, one one place where I feel like I lucked out as a first year head coach, and this is right the the one the one place I feel very fortunate is that I wasn't stepping into a situation right alongside a, a rookie GM. Right, I was stepping into a situation, and I've said this before in the past, like. I, I was it was very unique for me because I was stepping into a situation with a with a GM that's had that's one soup that's won a Super Bowl. That's that's won the NFC East multiple more times than any other NFC East team in the in the past what 15, 15 years. Um that's been to the playoffs in the top five in the NFL. I was walking into a situation with a lot of experience, which I valued. So I, I love the fact that I'm gonna be working side by side with them uh, you know, for the next three years and hopefully more uh, in continuation on that. Yeah, you're always looking for all your guys, all your guys to grow. I, I mentioned those corners earlier, right? Um, and I don't want to, I don't want to single out or a position group, but since I talked about the corners earlier, I'll stay in that position group. Those guys have a great opportunity this year and we believe in those guys. We believe in the skill sets that they have. We believe in the competitiveness, the toughness, the the character, the football IQ, the love of football that those guys have. And I'm really excited to see how that plays out. I mean, there's four young guys, right? And we obviously have two great veterans there with Avante and with Slay. And then we have four young guys that are vying for a position. What a battle that's going to be this, this year. Uh, to be able to see who who steps up and uh, and takes that position, and so um, I'm excited for those guys. I'm excited for those. We talked about the wideouts, right? Um, I'm excited for that group of guys to to continue to get better. Um, and we're going to need everybody to get better. I'm going to need to get better, right? Uh, Kevin Petulo is going to need to get better. Brian Johnson is going to need to get better. Uh, Jonathan Gannon is going to need to be better. And we're all fighting every day to do that. Um, it's kind of cool coming to something like this and, you know, we were in a, a meeting the other day and it was all, it was showing all the highlights of the NFL, uh, of the whole year. And it's like, it re it's like, gets you just excited. Like, can't wait to get back to work and, and keep building this team and, and developing our players. Uh, so we can be the, the last one standing. Um, but we, we don't, we don't think too far ahead. We just think, uh, one day at a time and, uh, but it has been, been kind of cool to see all that stuff uh, this year.